You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. You're listening to Tony Telecasts from The Ensemblist, the only podcast that shows you Broadway from the inside out. I'm Aaron Albano. And I'm Mo Brady. Welcome, listeners, to a new miniseries, bringing you all the drama behind the drama of a theater season in Broadway history. In each podcast episode, we will watch a telecast of a previous Tony Awards and then delve into the theater season. What we saw, what we didn't, what was weird, what we loved, and who knows what else. So let's dive in and talk about the 1991 Tony Awards. But first, Mo, tell us about the telecast. Happy to, Aaron. The 45th annual Tony Awards were held on June 2nd, 1991. They were broadcast on CBS from the Minskoff Theater, current home of The Lion King, and hosted by Julie Andrews and Jeremy Irons. The telecast featured performances from the four nominated musicals, Miss Saigon, Once on this Island, The Secret Garden, and The Will Rogers Follies. It also included a special salute to the Year of the Musical Actor, featuring <laughs> performances by Robert Morse, Topol, and Ranking, Michael Crawford, and more. Leading up to the award ceremony, Miss Saigon and the Will Rogers Follies were tied for the most nominations of the season, with 11 each. But it was Will Rogers Follies that walked away with six wins, musical, score, choreography, direction, costume, and lighting. Miss Saigon and the Secret Garden both received three wins, Saigon for performances by Jonathan Price, Leia Salonga, and Hinton Battle. The Secret Garden for its book, scenic design, and performance by Daisy Egan. While the fourth nominee for Best Musical, Once on this Island, walked away empty-handed. But aside from the telecast itself, what was happening at the time, Aaron? The world was a lot during the early 90s, Mo. George H.W. Sr. was in the middle of his presidential term, the Cold War was coming to a close, the AIDS crisis was rampaging through the U.S. and the world, and was still only at the beginnings of finding treatments. And judging from the recipient's speeches, the Gulf War was very heavily on the mind of the population at the time. In spite of that, however, the Broadway community this year brought us a very lucrative season full of shows that have stayed pretty well in the theatrical zeitgeist. What was nice about our Tony's theme this year is that in the montage Broadway Take a Bow, we were able to see the entire existing Broadway season as of the broadcast. Those shows were Cats at the Winter Garden, City of Angels at the Virginia, Fiddler on the Roof at the Gershwin, Grand Hotel at the Martin Beck, Gypsy at the Marquis, I Hate Hamlet at the Kerr, Jackie Mason at the Neil Simon, Les Mis at the Imperial, Lost in Yonkers at the Richard Rogers. Whew. You want me to take over? Sure. <laughs> okay. Miss Saigon at the Broadway, Once on this Island at the Booth, Our Country's Good at the Nederlander, Penn and Teller at the O'Neill, Prelude to a Kiss at the Hayes, Six Degrees of Separation at the Vivian Beaumont, Phantom at the Majestic, The Secret Garden at the St. James, and The Will Rogers Follies at the Palace. Whew. Tons of shows. The nominated shows that closed before the Tonys were OK, Peter Pan, Shadowlands, Shogun, Speed of Darkness, Those Were the Days, and Buddy. Give or take a few, that gives us a pretty comprehensive picture of what the Broadway landscape looked like in the 1990-1991 season. Kids, 
Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. All right, let's talk about what we saw. Okay. First off, this was a great telecast. This was wild. It was the wildest thing. Did you watch this live? No. No, I definitely I have. I've never seen this before, like, in its entirety. Fierce. Well, great. Then I'm glad we did. First off, there were three things I wanted to mention. Okay. One is the AIDS ribbons. So this is oh, 1991, yeah. and we mm-hmm. see host Jeremy Irons wearing an AIDS ribbon. Also, Tyne Daly, Kevin Spacey, Joel Gray, Daisy Egan. And it's interesting because this is in the 12 months before Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS was formed. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering that. So Broadway Cares was founded in 1988, and Equity Fights AIDS was founded in 1987, but this is in the moment before they joined. They joined together in May of 1992. So this is really at the moment where the community is about to take a big step forward. And those AIDS ribbons, while we see them and we know exactly what they are when Uh when we watch the telecast, those were new to an audience. And they would have been like, what? Why are all those people wearing red ribbons? Wow. Okay. They they would have Googled it, but there's no Google. Oh, yeah, totally. The second thing I wanted to bring up was Tommy Toon. (gasps) Okay. Go ahead. I want to talk about this, too. Keep going. So Tommy Toon is the director and choreographer of the Will Rogers Follies, two awards he wins during this ceremony. However, he is not at the ceremony because less than a month after the show opened, he's playing albert in a national tour of bye bye birdie and so significant portions of the telecast are live streamed whatever they called it back then yeah live streamed from a theater in seattle so we see his win for choreography where he doesn't go on mic but they stay on him for an uncomfortably long amount of time (laughs) waving from the wings yeah waving from the wings his win for direction in which they quote unquote stop Stop the the show show. in seattle sure i'll believe that um (laughs) and then and then a performance of tommy toon and his co-star and ranking as rosie alvarez there's a whole thing I want to talk There's about. There's a whole nother conversation right there. But okay, keep going. <laughs> it's just, it's so weird. It's such it's a- the wildest. But here's my favorite thing about it. Because I feel like this harkens to a different time. Because you have this man who was, as of the end of this telecast, a Tony Award winning director and a Tony Award winning choreographer. On tour as an actor. Like, he's just on tour playing Albert, and it just so happens to win two Tonys, two creative team Tonys, while he's still an actor playing a role. I'm like, that would never happen now. Like, the second you quote-unquote transition into choreography or quote-unquote transition into directing, you don't act anymore, or at least it's very few and far between when you do. And so the fact that he won while doing another show, not even in New York, 
on tour <laughs> in that- Seattle. <laughs> Talk about the best ensemblist moment I have ever seen. I will throw a little shout out to Joe Mantello, right? Because Joe Mantello is a Tony Award winning director and he still Absolutely. Performs. But again, it's very few and far between. And it's very it's like not in on high... tour in a it's revival not on tour. Bye Bye Birdie. <laughs> Tommy Toon is on tour and he just won two Tonys. Okay. Then I want to ask you what you thought about what I'm going to call the moonlight moment. Oh my gosh, yes. And I'm calling it because it's very reminiscent of the moment at the Oscars where La La Land is announced as the award winner and then taken back for Moonlight. Because Except it's worse. Keep going, keep going. (laughs) So announcing the Best Director Award, Anthony Quinn and Joan Collins accidentally read the name of the best play off the card. Yeah. So when they're announcing who the best director would be, they say Lost in Yonkers. Well, he says Lost in Yonkers. Right. No, sure, 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 sure. Shocked. Sure. As is the rest of the audience. Right. The audience audibly gasps. I did too. And I'm sitting in my house. If you want to see a highly uncomfortable moment, watch <laughs> this section. Because hearing the audience gasp, looking at Joan Collins' face, it is a fascinating fascinating moment of live television it's so good i was and i'm honestly surprised it's like not part of our like shared knowledge about the awards it's not like broadway legend at all what did you think was most interesting about what we saw what we okay in our year of the musical actor which a isn't every year (laughs) the year of the musical actor that is exactly (laughs) what i wrote down in my notes (laughs) what do you mean fine if we need to stretch for a theme there are many award shows where we've seen and many ceremonies that have stretched for a theme. Fine. But these performances floored me. And there were certain ones where I was like, okay, fine. Sometimes the Tonys is a commercial. Sometimes it's not. So the four non-nominated performances were Robert Morse for I Believe in You, Julie Andrews doing like a medley of her career, Tommy Tuna Nine Ranking singing Rosie, Michael Crawford singing Music of the Night, all of which were fine. It filled up the night with more music. It was cool. But the reasoning for all of them was suspect to me. I mean, like Tommy Tunin and Ranking. They already had the cameras there. I don't know. It's sort of justified. I guess, yeah. It was, it, it, was, ju- it was definitely like, let's watch these two veterans of our business do a performance on tour. It really reminded me of... The what, what year was it? 2012, where they showed hairspray from the cruise from the ship cruise line from Norwegian Cruise Line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it made me chuckle, it made me chuckle a little bit. Here are my two real questions about the other two numbers Robert Morse, I believe in you, which I thought was fine. I had no idea why we were here, like, there was no production of how to succeed. They, Robert Morse wasn't doing anything. So I was like, why is this here? And why are we doing this number? To celebrate the year of the musical actor. Aaron, <laughs> that doesn't explain it to you. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Great. But my biggest favorite moment of the non-nominated performances, Julie Andrews singing My Fair Lady music when Audrey Hepburn is in the building. <laughs> <laughs> she, we literally just saw her like an hour ago. And then Julie Andrews sings not one, but two songs from My Fair Lady. And I'm just like, yo, this low-key shade to Audrey Hepburn, because Audrey Hepburn is here. (laughs) And Julie is just going for broke with these two Eliza songs. And I was 
She was like, I'll take that legacy back. Thank you. (laughs) It's so good. It was so great. I loved it. It was my favorite. Let's talk about what we didn't see. Okay, the one thing that I definitely did not see was Peter Pan's performance on the telecast. Because we saw Topol performing for Fiddler. For a second, I thought it was part of the year of the musical actor. Wait, it wasn't? No, they're, they're nominated. Maybe it was like hitting both, but Fiddler on the Roof was nominated for Best Revival. You would assume, given that they are one of the nominees that Peter Pan would also have a performance on the Tonys. So I was like, where is it? And then I looked up and I, and I saw that it was closed already, but I was like, okay, there have been revivals that have closed by the Tonys. The one that pops up in my head is the Deaf West production of Big River. That show was nominated for Best Revival, but it was closed by the broadcast. They still played a full video about that show. Hmm. Where was Peter remember, Pan showing? Remember that whole thing where they were raising money for the Deaf West revival of Spring Awakening to perform on the Tonys? Uh-huh. Uh, I remember Bring It On performing on the Tonys after it closed. I remember Christmas Story performing on the Tonys after it closed. So there is there is precedent. It yeah. is weird that we don't get to see like a number of Peter Pan in B-roll because we see a lot of other B-roll. Right, we'll get there. <laughs> but especially because Kathy's nominated. That's what struck me very starkly. If Fiddler gets a performance, why doesn't Peter Pan get a performance? There was a lot of odd-seeming performance politics that were being played in this telecast, but we'll get there soon. So what I think was interesting that we didn't see was the entire controversy around Jonathan Price's casting Mm -hmm. as the engineer in Miss Saigon. His applause at the Tony Awards telecast was undeniably the biggest for any performer winning. Absolutely. And yet he had the biggest controversy of the season. So big, in fact, that producer Cameron McIntosh had announced back in August of 1990 that the show would not be coming to Broadway if Jonathan Price wouldn't be in it. So there's this huge conflict going on between actors' equity and British equity. Usually... There's like a one-for-one trade between Actors' Mm -hmm. Equity and British Equity, right? They'll say, hey, you guys send someone over and we'll let you send someone over. But American Equity was really causing a stink around Jonathan Price coming over. Mm -hmm. Specifically because he was a white actor playing an Asian role. Yeah. So American Equity is putting their feet in the sand and saying, we're not going to give you permission to have Jonathan Price come over. We're not going to allow this one-for-one agreement. And... Cameron McIntosh is saying, well, it's actually a half Asian role and we're going to, we're going to focus on the white part of the half Asian, which makes Mr. Price okay to play the role. Wow. And if you won't allow for that, I'm going to cancel the Broadway production. That's so much. It wasn't until pressure from Cameron McIntosh, the general public and many of its own equity members says the internet that equity reversed the decision and allowed Price to star in the show along Leia Salonga. Jonathan Price is very well loved by the acting community. And so I wonder if that like audience applause was sort of like a big fuck you to the whole controversy in general. 
obviously there must have been equity members on both sides of the battle, like pro Jonathan playing the role in the States and anti. Oh, sure. I mean, there's still here we are 30 years later and we think of actors equity and the New York theatrical community as extremely liberal, extremely interested in representation. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to imagine a New York theatrical community and New York theatrical audience that would have backed down from that argument. I mean, yeah, like 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 the fact that the New York audience sided with the white actor. Yeah. The white foreign actor and against the push for Asian American representation. Because that was what was so interesting too, is that Jonathan Price's casting, there was pushback against. And that and also there was pushback to Leia Salongas, because she was also a foreign actress where they were like no, find an Asian American actress that can do this. Use everybody, but not her. And Cameron had to fight for both of them. And which now, understanding that dynamic makes more sense that all of the Saigon acceptance speeches were all about casting and multiracial inclusion in their company. Mm-hmm. Which is fascinating to me. Because you have Hinton Battle giving a speech about colorblind and diversity and colorblindness in casting. You have Jonathan Price talking about the beauty of a multiracial company and the power of a multiracial story. Leia is talking about being a child of the Philippines and dreaming about winning a Tony and saying that if she can do it, everybody else can also. And it's all about having this chance to do this despite sort of the push against their inclusion in this community. Yeah. It's interesting. It's so fascinating. P.S. Can we shout out to June Angela about being nominated for Shogun for Best Actress as well? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I had no idea that there were two Asian actresses being nominated for leading actress that year. No, because we don't know anything about Shogun. (laughs) There you go. What did you think was weird about the telecast? I thought some of these decisions about what roles were in what categories was so strange to me. Okay. In what world is Tamoon the featured role? For real. Well, I'm wondering if, was Haley Kilgore nominated? For best lead, yeah. She was for lead. it's a leading role. I was wondering, because I thought that too, and I was like, I wonder if this was strategic. It had to be, right? Oh, yeah, it's for sure strategic. Because the leading lady category, like, just the possibilities from this season, because we have our nominees. Who were our nominees? June Angela for Shogun, Leia Salonga for Miss Saigon, we had Dee Hody for Will Rogers Follies, and we had Kathy Rigby for Peter Pan. We spoke nothing about Rebecca Luker. <laughs> We spoke nothing about yeah. who else was who else was in this season. Like Lilius White, who was a replacement, a very early replacement in Once yes. on this Island. Basically, the Once on this Island performance is a showcase of Lilius White. <laughs> for sure. Not only for a performer that was not nominated, but for a role that was not nominated. Correct. What did you find the most striking about the performance? To get super real, the inconsistency of them all. Because What do you mean? It struck me that Will Rogers Follies, we start with Will Rogers Follies, arguably as the opening number of the show. Right. They get not one, but two songs. They get Willamania and they get Our Favorite Son. Both are performed live, complete with staircase and then half staircase and costume changes and everything. And a drop 
that they just imported from their theater of Will Rogers' face. But then everybody else gets one or less performances where Once on this Island gets one live performance, which is a medley of Human Heart and Mama Will Provide. Saigon gets pre-recorded footage from The Heat Is On in Saigon, Last Night of the World, I Still Believe You Will Not Touch Him. They get like this like medley of pre-record and then they do a performance of American Dream. Same thing with Secret Garden. They get The Girl I Meant to Be and Wick as a pre-record. And then Lily's Eyes and Come to My Garden get to be live performances. It was wild. And again, I'm like looking at it. And if I were in the season, I'd be like, wait, why did they get two? Wait, how come? Especially if like I'm the nominee lead actress of a show that just won. I'm like, wait, I don't get to sing live? As a kid. Go ahead. Imagine little 10-year-old gay Mo Brady. And I remember hearing about the Will Rogers Follies. Okay. And the story that I had built in my head was, in a season of incredible musicals, The Secret Garden, Once on the Silent, Miss Saigon, mm-hmm. the Will Rogers Follies comes out on top because it is the better show. It is a show among shows, right? Mm-hmm. Watching it as a 39-year-old man, I was like, oh, that's really problematic that (laughs) the white juggernaut wins all of the awards over the smaller representative stories. Mm -hmm. And this being my first time watching the telecast, the telecast is really favoring them as well. Completely. There's There's no sense of equity like do you remember back in 2016 when hamilton won was nominated and was going to win every award Uh and they got two performances they got two performances because they set up that the winner for best musical would get to perform a second number and so every one of those nominated musicals that season prepared a second number Like, they rehearsed it like they did the whole rigmarole. And then when Hamilton, surprise, won Best Musical, Uh they got the opportunity to perform a second number. And that's why if you watch Skylar Sisters from the Tony Awards, no one is in costume. They're all wearing their, like, Tony Award outfits. Yeah, that's... Even, you know, now, nowadays, even Mm -hmm. in a year where it's very obvious that one show is going to win... The Mm -hmm. Tony Awards still plays this like game of equity that's like everybody only gets their three minutes and 40 seconds or whatever the count is, right? But in 1991, some shows got twice as much time to perform it. Yeah. And it really seems like it's because they were big American white shows led by white people. Like, it's really hard to look beyond I completely agree. And that's what's kind of awkward about it. Because here in 2020... Of these four shows, the shows that have the lasting power are the other three shows. Right. Like, who still talks about Will Rogers Follies? However, and speaking to someone who was there, they were like, oh, that show is for sure going to win. They have literal costumes of the American flag. And I'm just like, wow, I wonder if that had a hand in it. Because I had never thought have- about this before, but you started your description talking about the Gulf War. This is uh-huh. a moment 
of extreme patriotism in our country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Miss Saigon is a story about a war gone wrong. Yeah. You have, you have to use your word, the white juggernaut, the white American juggernaut against this like, like black ensemble piece set in the Caribbean. You have this mixed race British import talking about the fall of Americanism in the war that we lost. And then you have this other white female led show. Let's talk about that for a second, but arguably another British show. Yeah, I think it's about I think it's about women. I think it's less about Americans and Brits and that. Fair. But that's what's so fascinating about seeing this. Because if you talk to anybody who doesn't know anything about this season, if you said these four shows, not in a million years would they be like, oh yeah, Will Rogers Follies won that year. Yeah, and I know it because it's sort of an anomaly. Yeah. Not only did they win, but like they got two performances. They featured the freaking director and choreographer from Seattle. Yeah. Like, they flew out cameras. They did a whole hullabaloo, like, for this show. To celebrate sort of the tradition of American musical theater. Yeah, and you think Mm -hmm. about who was on that show. Tommy Toon, Cy Coleman, Mm -hmm. Adolph Green, and, and Betty Comden. It is a show with a strong lineage to American musical theater and the industry in a way that even the other American shows don't have. You will be who you want to be. All right, so let's <laughs> let's end by giving our Yelp review for the 1991 Tony Award telecast. Oh, sure, okay. Which performance won, in your opinion? Like won, like like the what way, was the like, be- what was the which best performances performance? at the Macy's Day Parade win? Yes, like, exactly. That like which one did I love the best, and we'll actually talk about? Yes, I'd have to go with Once on the Island. Final answer. What about you? Who? What tickets are you buying the next day? Yeah, Once on the Island. I'll. Uh, Although, I mean, that performance of the Will Rogers Follies was great. Can I yeah. go to two shows? I mean, of the four? Although <laughs> you basically just said the two performances that actually had performances. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. All right. Best speech. Mine is when Joel Gray comes out and says, um, I don't know anything more demanding for an actor than doing eight shows a week in a Broadway musical, unless it's standing on the unemployment line and not doing eight <laughs> shows a week in a Broadway musical. Tell him, Joel. You That's got the it. Truth. That is the hard, hard truth. All right. You? Um, I mean, I'd probably say the same. Last thing for your Yelp review. Would you recommend yep. watching the 1991? Absolutely. 100%. Okay. This telecast was fantastic. It had all drama. It had stuff in between. There was so many things you could, like, dissect. It was so great. I loved 10 it. 10 out of 10. Would recommend. Maybe a 9 out of 10, because I could have used an actual opening number and an actual finale, but it's fine. All right. What about you? Would you recommend? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think for all the same things you said, yes. I want an opening number. I could have used a finale. Could have used better performances by The Secret Garden and a better Miss Saigon performance featuring Queen Leia. However, (laughs) would recommend. All right. At the end of each episode, Aaron and I will randomly select a Tony Awards telecast to watch on YouTube. We will have the following week to research the season as a whole and then bring you our most surprising findings about how the telecast did and didn't reflect the year on Broadway. So let's select our very second Tony telecast. 
I put a handful of infamous Tony seasons on pieces of paper in this basket. Here the basket. And I will now randomly select one to explore for next week's episode. Drum roll, please. Next week, we are watching... Oh, 2013. We are jumping ahead, folks. Matilda and Kiki Boots, kids. Is that that year? Yeah, it's Matilda and Kiki Wonderful. Boots. Wonderful. Okay, cool. So to join us for our next Tony's Recap, be sure to watch the 2013 Tony Awards. The Ensemblist was produced today by me, Aaron Albano. And me, Mo Brady. There are two great ways you can be helping The Ensemblist right now. One is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And the second is by becoming a Patreon member at patreon.com slash The Ensemblist. Please follow The Ensemblist wherever you listen to podcasts, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or at bpn.fm, the home of Broadway Podcast Network. You can also follow us on Instagram. Thanks for listening, everybody. Until next time. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.